The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by BlueChew.com. Get the chewables that give you the confidence you need and the performance you both want when it's time to have fun. BlueChew.com. Use code Vegas for $20 off your first order. Now, Waddle and Sylvie. Line drive, base hit out into left center. Half delivers Tuckman. And we're starting over, tied at three. Line drive, base hit, left field. That's going to score a run. Bellinger around third. He's in to score. Swanson into second. It's an RBI double for Dansby, and it's 6-4. Chopped on the ground. Swanson will charge. On the move. Ball game. Cubs win. 13 out of their last 16. They are red hot. We've been playing really good baseball, and I think it's just definitely a confidence booster for us that we can compete with anybody. As long as we play our game, we feel like we got a good chance against anyone. I mean, it was nice to be able to do that this weekend. Pretty amazing. Dan B. Swanson there. The highlights on Marquee Sports Network. I was in the house uh, yesterday. Chew. Took my youngest. It was just the two of us. I took the one that uh, is seemingly becoming a Cubs fan. Did you take the train down to the game? We did. We Good took. We went. Uh, we went. Skokie Swift, yellow line to red line, and uh, I then, saw Braxton got his face on the uh, scoreboard as well, or and, the uh, video board. And that was all him. So we were in the upper deck, and he saw the camera guy. You know, and and, and Braxton's Braxton's got some balls. Where he'll go and he'll he'll go up to people. Got a little moxie, that kid. He's got a little moxie. He'll go up to people and 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 talk them up. And he went up, to, we were going, getting up for water in a bathroom break, and he noticed the camera guy. He said, Daddy, hold on. And he went to the camera guy, and he said, can you put me on TV? He tapped his leg and goes, I need a two-shot. I need a two-shot. <laughs> He's like, Pulled did, a Corey McFerrin. He, he goes, did, I need a two-shot. He did his first stand-up, so the guy looked him, and he's wearing his Nick Madrigal jersey, the one that you bought him for his birthday. Now that looks like a... A stroke of genius at this point. What a, it? You, you like again? It's another lesson in economics. You bought low. Absolutely. You bought low on the Madrigal jersey. Exactly. Now all of a sudden, look at it. He's got a three fifty on base percentage. Ever since you bought that jersey as a prank gift, Nick Madrigal's a legit third baseman. Well, I don't even think I paid a nickel for it. I think Dino gave it to me for <laughs> oh, free. Oh, did he? Not only that, but I think he dropped it off at my house. Wow! And what a guy! Wow! Oh, he was the best. So Braxy goes up to the, uh, the the camera guy, and he says, can you put me on TV? And the guy looked at him. He goes, you stand over here. So I'm just w- witnessing this. I'm watching this. And as the guy's pointing the camera, and it's it's like the in-house feed. So they're showing like 50-50 r- 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 It's like $155,000. Yeah. So they're giving you the information on how to buy it. It's before they, he's even on there, but he's getting him in focus. Braxy sees the camera on him, and he starts singing Go Cubs Go. He's performing. Yeah. He's already, like, doing a performance. And I'm taking pictures of him and everything like that. And sure enough, boom, the red light goes on, and there he is. And i am got my uh, phone positioned on the big jumbotron out there. And I, I took the pictures. It's on my Instagram page as well. He got to meet Rhino. You guys immediately went home and he took all of his White Sox gear and he threw it in one of those metal garbage tins. And Didn't throw the fire. White Sox gear away, but he did ask. It was a monumental day because he asked after the game for a W flag. 
Did he really? And I and sure enough, I went to Amazon afterwards, and uh, it should be delivered either today or tomorrow. Nice. And a, a, a W flag will be hung in his room. I think I got him. You got him. I think I got him. And uh, what did he? What Elmer, Elmer Steve on my Facebook page is like taunting me, saying, "Oh yeah, sure. Now that the Cubs are winning and the Sox are losing, he chooses to become a Cubs fan." And like that's what six-year-olds do. He's seven. I mean, okay, seven. I'm like he's Steve. He's seven. Yeah, you're taunting a seven-year-old who's learning about sports. Well, no, he was taunting you because uh, I don't think Braxy has access to your Facebook page, does he? <laughs> no. Uh-huh. Okay. He's seven. What he's, did Rhino have to say to Braxy? He it was great, but and like Braxton's got a throwback Sandberg jersey, and of course. The day that he meets Rhino, he's wearing the Nick Madrigal jersey. <laughs> I said that to him. I go, oh, damn. He's not wearing your jersey. But uh, he was very excited to meet Rhino. Like, again, Braxton's not shy. There are some kids who, when they meet someone, they won't. But Braxy will give him a firm handshake, take a good picture with you. Met Chelly, too. Nice. We saw Chelly, and um, I said, uh, I, I said, uh, Braxy, I go. This guy used to play hockey, and Daddy loves his tequila. <laughs> I'm sure, and that cracked I'm, up Chelly. I'm sure Chelly appreciated that. That che- that that is Chelly yeah. did love that. So we had a good we had a good day at the ballpark, and just like I've been telling, were you in the fancy chairs again, or were you upstairs? We were upstairs, and uh, well, the fancy chairs at the Catalina Club, right? Yeah, in the well, upper yeah, deck, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, just like just like I told all Cubs fans. I told you guys, yeah, they they, they should be buyers, right. just like I've been telling everyone. Yeah. Uh, who believed in this team? Right. Just yeah. me. Cap's no, still calling you more. Nobody else. Now I I tweeted. I I, I owned up to it. Like uh, who? The, I like many of you guys thought they should buy. You guys were right. The ones who did, like I didn't see this coming. I was wrong on this. What did those that, well, let me ask you a question. Those that were suggesting is the team was, what, five or six games under five hundred and seven, whatever they were prior to the, the run that they went on. And they've been, very, they've been the best team in baseball since the All-Star break. But were they, were they telling you to buy because they were just strictly fans or because they were doing the, the, the analysis of it and thought it was the right thing to do? Well, I think a lot of people thought that it's Chicago and that you shouldn't sell, and any time that you're not out of it, out of it, you should always try, and Those that this is always right. possible. They were right. Yeah. I mean, I, I never thought, what did Book say? Is it 13 out of 16, 14 out of 16? Uh, he they, said it in the highlight there. They are 13 of 16 and 15 of 19. I Who that. saw 15 out of 19? I don't even think the biggest proponents of this team – Saw 15 of 19 no. coming. Well, and they've done it without, like, their elite starting With Stroman. pitching. Stroman. Well, not even, I mean, like, the everyone else has been hittable for the most part, too. And they've just, their bullpen has been spectacular. Their defense is out of control good. They're patient at the plate for the most part. They had a couple of free swingers, but even Morell looks like he He's is. He's taking improved. a couple of walks over yeah. the weekend. Once you get the first, guys are running. Like I, I don't know if it's if it's the Cubs are just taking it, and I think that Jed deserves a lot of credit for building he this does. team with the new rules in mind. Whether it was no shifting anymore, so now your defensive infield crew is fabulous. This team runs the bases well. They steal bags. 
do pe- have people forgotten the slide step or just – like none of these throws are even close. Well, I love the rule, and I, I don't even know – I forget the exact rule. Meller, maybe you could refresh my memory because I noticed it yesterday being at the game. Right when Nico Horner's on, and you know Nico is always now a threat yeah. to steal a base. The fir- Right when he gets on, two outs, I think the previous guy had been thrown out trying to steal. Uh, it was Wisdom who was pinch running. He was thrown out late in the game trying to steal. Now Horner gets on, two outs. You know he's going to try and steal with two outs, get a, steal another run here. And right away the pitcher throws to second. And I, I think you only have like a couple of pickoff attempts. I you think get it's two. two. And then if the third one isn't didn't get him out, the guy gets the right. Back. So you know after that first one, like you see Nico's lead, it's it's like twice the size of what it was, and baseball just becomes more exciting now. Yeah. Because what did we used to see? We used to see five throws over there on Nico Horner. Nico's lead would never be big. We would never see a stolen base in that situation. Now we're seeing old-school baseball. Well, the one thing that I haven't seen, and maybe there's an explanation for it, and I'm just not thinking about it, with the rules changed in that manner, where you can only throw over twice the third time you either get him out or he gets the bag, I've seen probably zero pitch-outs. Like, the, I would think that... Boog's talked about that, where the pitch-out is... Ba- like, again, they don't want to waste a ball. Like, the pitch-out has basically been worked out of the game. They don't... But or, if you've or, got a team that runs the bags as well as the Cubs do, I would think it would at least... Especially with a pitcher who's got good control, I would think that it would be something that would be utilized at least a little bit. But I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Boog's explained that before. Boog's explained it in better detail than I could just do it. Just justification. But see, like, listen, your your team is fun to watch because I said this earlier. They play the game the right way, and by that, and Carm was. I mean, you know how they play good defense for the most part. They're disciplined at the plate. They run. They sacrifice. They get guys over. They do things the right way, and they rarely and they play they play hard as hell, and they rarely beat themselves. They allow other teams to be the ones that are making mistakes, or at least the stretch. So the question to me now is, did your team catch the heater of all heaters? Is this who they are, and they just had to work through some stuff, or is the answer somewhere in between? Well, again, they've been the only team in run differential that's been uh, well above in the positive run differential all year. Yes. And like uh, Justin Steele told us, they were a team that the analytics said they should should have should have been, been better. So now maybe it's where it should have been. I don't know. But again, I was I I thought again a, a week before I thought they should have sold. Now I'm watching uh, Bellinger and I'm like this guy's so freaking good. He's in he's he's remaining hot. Maybe there's going to be this other side of it where he cools down but guys the ones who called the like I got to own up to it yeah of course like you're not right about everything and I I was on the wrong side of that argument I tweet I don't know if you saw my tweet I said only a blank hole would have suggested that this team sells like you know well, listen I was on the same uh, I was on the same page as you were at the time I understood why they decided to do what they did but um you know what this is this is enjoy the ride you know, that's that's what I'm is, doing right the now. The wind is at your back right now. Ride the lightning. Like when you get Charlie Morton, who's unhittable for the first two innings, and then he walks three, hits a batter, you get one hit, you score two runs, just keep rolling with it. That's what, that's, this has been a gift now. Like, again, I didn't expect 
with the way the Reds took off, the way they were behind the Brewers, the way they were under 500, I did not expect to be one back in the loss column and now one better than the Reds in the loss column in August and going with my son, who's now rooting for the Cubs in August, rooting against taking two of three from the Braves after they took game one, eight to nothing. Yeah. And, and in the meantime, you mentioned the Reds. The Reds have lost six in a row and seven of ten. The Marlins have lost four in a row, seven of ten. And the D-backs have lost six in a row and eight of ten, which is allowed while the Cubs are making hay. The other teams that they're competing with in the, in the wild card spot have actually all fallen down. Your Reds have not won a game since they failed to add at the trade deadline. Eleven errors since last Tuesday. Mm. Two uh, four-era games. Yeah. Here, I want to play you some Buster only. This is uh, a couple of things. First on the Cubs, then we'll get back to some of the, the Sox conversation, too. Do we have stuff from uh, Rick Hahn, too? Any of the quotes come out? Um, here is Buster on the Cubs first, Jake. If you could play that one. I was listening, driving around. This was from um, a baseball tonight on the radio before the national game last night. Him talking about the Cubs. And again, like... Not only were there guys like me and you and some other fans who wanted them to sell, their front office was very close to selling. Luke told us that. Yeah, and uh, take a listen to Buster talk about the Cubs last night. I think if you gave truth serum to Jed Hoyer, uh, Nick Carter Hawkins, their general manager, Jed Hoyer, their head of baseball operations, uh, and gave them truth serum at the All-Star break and said, are you guys going to be buyers or sellers? I-, I think they would have said, absolutely, we're going to be sellers. We got Cody Bellinger. It might be the most marketable position player. But you know what? This team hit their way into a position where they became buyers. Mm-hmm. And they added uh, Jamer Candelario, and they're killing the ball. And I think that's a shock to everybody because going into the year, our, our feeling about the Cubs was, yeah, probably not a great offensive team. They'll pitch pretty well. They're going to catch the ball great. And now, because their offense has gotten so much better this year, they're kind of a dangerous team once you get in a short series because of the pitching, because of the defense, and, yes, because of how well they're hitting. And I did um, just because it's fun, and with the two teams going in opposite directions, I did a Twitter poll that I let you guys know about. What's more likely to happen in Chicago baseball this year? The Cubs win the World Series, or Jerry Reinsdorf fires Kenny and Rick Hahn? Both of them. Both? Both. Both. And we've had over 2,000 votes. I My vote would probably be... Different if you said Kenny or Rick. I find it hard to believe that both will be shown. Cleans house. He cleans house. He cleans out that front office. I will say the the Cubs winning the World Series. That's what I would vote. See, again, like that's a once in 108 or now 112 or 13 year thing. It just tells you how much I feel Jerry is loyal to his guys. I just don't. Look, again, I was wrong about buying and selling. I don't think this is it. I don't think this is that team. I think there's a 1% chance. I agree with you, and, but I think but that there's I, I, less of 1% chance you that do, both guys like, are clear. Again, he did it with the Bulls. He did it with Pax, who was more accomplished than Kenny and Rick combined. And he did it with uh, both Gar and Pax. And he did it, and he brought AK and Eversley in. So while they mo- both may be small, I still think there's a bet. With all these big things, the rock bottom things, as you described, happening, yeah. I still think, Jerry, there's a better chance of that. But most people voting like you voted. 
60.7% say the Cubs winning the World Series. Well, that's probably enthusiastic Cub fans actually voting more than anything. But I just don't think that – I think that one or the other, I think – how about this? I think if, if they have a total turnover in the front office, it would be Rick being let go and, and Kenny retiring. Okay. Well, I mean, that's – I'm saying that that, so that would be the so, way that it would work. So you're saying then, then that doesn't count? No, I think it would. What did you? How did you? Like, like Pax wasn't quote fired. Pax was reassigned. Reassigned. Given a different. Yeah, like he's what a a uh, what do you call him? He's an assistant to the to the owner. But like I forget his. A title. week ago, Kenny was the one orchestrating the trade. Jake Berger to the Marlins. Well, someone's got to still make moves. I mean, someone's got to do it. So, well, if Kenny's still around, is Kenny going to have influence in the building? Like my my answer to my own question would be, of course he is. That's the way it's always been. Man, if anyone needs to be gone, like Kenny, like this is the way I put it: the rallying cry for Sox fans for years, and we've had it in the system, is stay out of White Sox business. You stay out of White Sox business. I don't know how many people remember. He was talking to one of the all-time great he was talking players. Talking to Frank, wasn't he? He was talking about one of the greatest all-time Sox players, Frank Thomas, which is ironic in itself. I think the and the reason why that holds up is because Kenny wants everyone out of White Sox business because he doesn't want you to know the dirty little secrets on how bad they are. He wants everyone out of White Sox business because they are so bad, he doesn't want anyone to know how bad he literally is, how much they've lost, how little they've built up their system, how poor of a culture they have. That's why he wants you out of White Sox business. He's made it seem like it's us against the world, Sox fans. But really what it means is he wants you out of White Sox business because if you really knew White Sox business, you would know how bad White Sox business is. He doesn't want anyone to shine a light on all of the, the issues that have plagued That's him. what I'm saying. He doesn't want Dave Savini coming in. <laughs> Dave Savini would expose oh White Sox God. business for what it is. That White Sox blanket is, is a just a, oh. a dark shade of blue, Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you if you came in here and you were doing an investigative report, you don't want the results. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and this is uh, Buster from the – should I – Should I? I see you texting me. You could just scream at me. Should I read this first? Do Buster, do Buster. Oh, do play Buster. Uh, here's Buster on the White Sox then yesterday talking about T.A.'s fight. Think about it from Tim Anderson's perspective. Someone said to me today, boy, he better hope he has an October moment in the years ahead because he could wind up playing 15 years and get 2,000 hits, and right now this is what everyone's going to remember about <laughs> Tim. Like, he's been a terrific player, but they're going to remember him falling on his backside when Jose Ramirez, who's not someone who walks out of the field looking for a fight every day, decks him. It is one of the most talked-about fights that uh, I've seen since I've been covering baseball. The most talked about fights, I think, and it was so like visually alar- alarming because Tim dropped his glove and took a boxing stance. How many times do you see baseball players do that? Uh, n- never. And I, I like you, if you got into a you don't even see match, that in in like a basketball in ever. Like again, it was it was like it wasn't malice in the palace because they went up into the stands, but it was 
one of those shocking moments that you never expect to see on a sporting field. You don't expect to see your shortstop drop his glove and get into a boxing stand. You're like, oh my. And then set up as a lefty and then fight as a righty. But that's a different story. You were the first person who I'd heard call that out. That was good to tell. Like, has anyone else pointed that out? Had you heard anyone else say that before, Waddle? You did? Oh, you did? Mallard? Who's, who did you hear? I just caught it. I oh, you caught it too? Yeah. I didn't, like, I wouldn't know. He's a fight doctor. Jeff Mellor's a fight doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I, I went to sniff that out. It just looked odd that he threw it, and I thought immediately, oh, he's a lefty, but he's throws righty and hits righty, but he's setting up to throw, throw fists like a lefty. And then he started fighting like a That's righty. That's why he missed. Maybe yeah. it was because he got him. He was open. Uh, so. We okay. So we have a, a two minute chunk of Rickon. I'm interested. I don't know what he said. I, I haven't have no looked on my timeline. So here's a two minute chunk of what Rickon had to say in the wake of the fight, in the wake of Jesse's story. Um, I'm interested in this. Here's uh, whether he's in charge or not. Your general manager of the Chicago White Sox, Rickon. After we spoke at the deadline, I actually didn't anticipate speaking again so soon, but obviously over the last 48 hours, there's been uh, a few things that require uh, direct responses. Uh, first, let's talk about the uh, incident over the weekend in Cleveland. Obviously unfortunate. You never want to see anything like that uh, unfold on a baseball field. Uh, we were fortunate nobody was injured on either side, and obviously uh understand the commissioner's office role in going out discipline and at this time we'll support the process and let it unfold before uh, seeing what what is meted out uh, I will say uh, you know which coincidentally goes into the, the second topic of leadership and clubhouse culture uh, you did see a team on Saturday and Sunday rally around each other. You saw individual examples of leadership such as that from, from Andrew Vaughn in particular on the field, Michael Kopech playing peacemaker in that, in that melee, in uh, a team that, that faced diversity as a unit and uh, had came away with two victories that was hopefully something to build upon. Obviously, late last night, early this morning, there were reports from a former player criticizing uh, some elements of our culture. Uh, I will get at that in a moment, uh, those specific comments. But first, I think it's important to note that uh, for the past month, you've heard fairly directly from both Pedro and me and others uh, that we realized we we had a bit of a cultural problem in this clubhouse. that we didn't have a group that was all pulling the same direction, that was necessarily supporting each other or going about their business the way that we had wanted this team to go about it. It was something that we were upfront about for the last several weeks, something that we feel we've been in the process of addressing both at the trade deadline as well as since, and is something that we expect will continue to improve over the coming weeks. Is it just me? I don't remember the culture issue being referenced in any conversation. I don't remember that. I may be wrong. I'm I'm not. But I don't like usually something like that would resonate. It's always snarky. It's always snarky. It's 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 never it's never. Like again, the former player and Lance Lynn again confirmed it today in in a couple of different ways. I listen. Liam Hendricks referenced it to us last year in the middle of the season. And he's going to he's going to take a win 
Or two he, years ago, whenever it was. Last year. It, he's going to take a win from Saturday and Sunday. In the wake of this report, he's going to wave the the W flag on winning when on Saturday and Sunday and build on that at what? 22 under? What are they? What are they at this point? Uh, it's, that know, he's going to he's going to rally around that? 23 under? He's going to rally around that? Listen, they have nothing else really to grasp a hold of right now. So don't grasp on anything. Well, I mean, what do you He's standing in front of the media. We've I mean, got work to do to build a team of guys who pull on the same end of the rope. Not we're going to we're going to build on uh, a couple of fluke wins in in Cleveland on the heels of of there Our is, shortstop getting knocked out. There's nothing that he could have said today that would have left anybody feeling good about anything. Did did and is the Grandall uh, is that a true quote from Grandall today that you just sent me? Is that real? That is real. Grandall said that if they played seven innings, that they would be a good team, and that's because of Liam Hendricks not being available. Yasmani Grandall, according to Scott Gregor, said. If games were seven innings, the White Sox would be in first place. Get out of here. This this can't be a real quote. Yasmani Grandal says, if games were seven innings, the White Sox would be in first place. Says the loss of all-star closer Liam Hendricks has been huge. I know it's been huge. You're Does 23 Liam, under 500. Does Liam, tape, Liam never took the ball <laughs> in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning either, did he? You're 14 games out of first place. Like I said. And there's a report about you from down the dial today that you, you slapped your shortstop. And you're talking about being in first place if games were seven innings? I'm trying to tell you, rock bottom. I know I'm living in the moment, but I can't imagine. No, I don't recall a confluence of, of crap like this. It's unbelievable. All right, the good, the bad, the dirty. We could do it just the Sox version if you'd like. I don't know if we'd find a good, though. Um, it's all coming up next. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. The good. It's gone! Oh my God! The bad. That is so bad, that is absolutely brutal. And the dirty. I thought my mask. Wow. So many stories are running through my head right now. Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. Our weekend recap of anything we experienced. It's called The Good, The Bad, The Dirty. We'll go around the room, pick one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing we perceived as dirty from the weekend. We certainly have our choices. And uh, it's brought to you by our great friends and partners over at Finishing Chicago. Waddle, what do you got? What's your good? Um, uh, Soccer-related good. And it's not the U.S. women's team. It's Messi. Did you see Messi? Yeah. Two more goals for Inter-Miami. One was like a, uh, was in the 85th minute. Free kick. Free kick that was like, ben. I may not have, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a better free kick in my like life. Like in the corner, right corner of the goal? Yeah, yeah it's unbelievable. He uh, Two extra goals. Or two more goals, rather. That's seven goals in, in four matches. No, I don't watch a lot of football or soccer. What, 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 like, I'm wearing a golf shirt today. Do a lot of the soccer jerseys yeah, have, have collars? collars? Oh, yeah. 
They do? Yeah. I think that would be uncomfortable. A collared shirt while playing I think it a comes, sport? It comes down to the material you're wearing. Yeah. It's it's definitely a newer within the last ten years, really? I would say it's a newer yeah. thing. And not I would say the majority still do not have collars, but it's not uncommon. Hmm. I thought that was odd. Oh, my good is messy. Messy, uh, messy good, yes. And then the White Sox messy bad. Yeah. (laughs) You know what's good? Um, I was talking about the Cubs, and obviously they're playing great baseball, but what I like, too, about them is they're not scared right now to make some tougher choices. And, like, we were talking about Seiya Suzuki and where he was in the lineup just a week ago. Now they've gone to the point where they're like, not only is Seiya not in his spot anymore in the lineup, he's out of the lineup. And it's it's it, they're in playoff mode, and I like that. I give them the thumbs up to that. It's Our best nine guys are going to be in the lineup. And if it's not Seiya Suzuki in his contract, we're good with that. We'll put Talkman in right field. We'll play Bellinger in center field. We're going to play Candelario, who's been awesome, by the way. He could have yeah. easily been my good. He's 15 or 16 or no, so. <laughs> basically. Close, something close. Basically. That is a David Ross thing as well. You can yeah. tell that Ross is like, okay, I don't care. I played this sport for 15 years. I don't care what we gave Seiya. We're playing this lineup. And, and I've got and I've got to yes. commend them for that. Yes. I've got to commend them. and. You know, we, going with this, too, remember like three or four weeks ago, we were having the big debate about the Cubs and, and this or that. Remember how many anti-Jed stuff there was out yeah. there? Jed, Jed's like two years removed from a sale. Jed's got them in a position to make the playoffs. That's not bad. Not just that, but he has built the team in a manner in which it's conducive to baseball in 2023. Defense is much more important now because you can't play in a shift. Running is more important now because stealing bags is easier to do. The sport is pointed in that direction. And you can't tell me that he didn't do this intentionally. Of course he did. Not so, not perfect, but no, good. Good. Right. Good. Meller, what's your good? My good, gentlemen, the first episode of Season 2 for Winning Time did not disappoint. Now, I will say, I don't think it was, by any means, the best of the episodes we've seen from the first season. They're building. But Mm -hmm. it set a nice tone. It was a very Magic Johnson-centric episode. Nevertheless, though, I love this show. I need more... I need more series like this. The characters the history are so of sports, good. It's like, like, and, and it's be salacious. I don't care. There I were a couple it. another good uh, Jerry West moments again, where, the, where they just take Jerry West and they put him over the top and make him seem the like Michael he's Cooper did, extension. <laughs> did you? I, yeah, he's so mad over what he made. They had the disclaimer at the start of the show. They did not have that last year. I don't right, remember. Right. I think that's a direct we're, result of Jerry West's lawsuit. The, the disclaimer is basically, we're going to lie about everything. <laughs> no, and if Jerry, West, if Jerry West wants to sue us, please know that we've already told you we're lying about it. Uh, so good. good. It was good. Jake, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to do another TV show. My good, I finally finished The Righteous Gemstones over the weekend. Season three did not disappoint. It was so fun. many funny moments. Sandy McBride, the whole family was great. And I, I can't wait till season four. I know they renewed it. And uh, it's just, again, it felt, felt fun watching it and heartwarming, especially that last scene. It's outrageous and nonsensical, but it makes me laugh my ass off on a late Friday or Saturday, Sunday night, rather. It's good. 
If you like Danny McBride, you'll, you'll giggle for 30 minutes. Who doesn't like Danny yeah, McBride? So good. What's your uh, What's your bad? My bad, I, I don't know if you saw this Reds rookie pitcher. Is it Leon Richardson? Who was optioned back today. It was his first ever big league uh, performance appearance. He gave up home runs in each of his first two pitches. <laughs> As the Reds got swept by the Nationals. And oh, by the way, the Brewers lose two out of three to the Pirates. But yeah, can you? It, that hadn't happened. What the Reds pitcher did, Richardson giving up home runs on each of his first two pitches since 1900. It hadn't happened in Major League Baseball. You're down on your team right now. I've been down on my team for the entire year. Well, that's not right though, because they were they were very fun for a while, and they still could find themselves. Okay. okay. You, you love my team. That's fine. You can love them. I, I can like them. I still, you can love them. They're still very good, and they're going to have a great future. If they can pitch and be better on defense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, like, the bad is obvious in my book. The bad is what happened on the field in, in Cleveland. The bad is what's happened to the White Sox this year. The bad is what's happened to White Sox fans for over the last decade. You pick your bad, whether it's short-term bad or big-picture bad. There's enough bad to go around here. It's a lot of bad. It, it, it's a lot of bad. The, 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 the competitive window wasn't good. The competitive window was bad. Like, there's nothing good out of this. And there are many people in CYA mode right now. You know, we were, we've told you there were cultural problems. What? No. Rick, I don't remember you saying this. We'll talk to Jesse about this coming up at 5. Grandall saying that that they'd be in first place. I, that's got to be a joke quote. That, that's got to be a fake quote. Someone's, well, well, Scott Greger, who covers... I know the, Scott's <laughs> real. I know Scott's a real person. I don't think reporters are in the habit of tweeting out fake quotes. It's all bad. Uh, continuing the bad here. My bad happened on the, uh, early Sunday morning. The U.S. women's national team was eliminated in the round of 16 for the FIFA Women's World Cup, which is their earliest exit in the history of the Women's World Cup. Bad showing all around, and it was a tough way to go out, no doubt, because it was their best performance throughout the tournament, but they were not able to put the net in the, uh, the ball in the back of the net. And, of course, when you go to penalties, where things happen, and for them to go out in the manner that they did via goal line technology, that's a brutal way. I'll listen there. Explain that. uh, So what happened? I didn't see. I'll listen there. The goalkeeper for the women's national She's been the Red Stars goalie for years. She made – she initially – they were in sudden death. They had both – uh, converted three of their first five, and then so that at that point you go on to each sub- subsequent kick determines the winner if one team converts and the other doesn't. Well, the U.S. had missed their seventh ki- their seventh kick, yeah, and so Sweden stepped up with an opportunity to win it. I think now, Kelly o- is it Kelly O'Hara hit, hit the, the post? post. Yeah, she was a sub too. Bad way to go out. Um, so a listen there, the U.S. women's national team goalie makes. She stops initially the first kick, and the ball then ricochets upwards, and Alyssa Nair had to make a diving save, and so she bats the ball up, and then she comes back to bat the ball away to ensure that it doesn't go over the line on the rebound. And as she does so, 
She makes contact with the ball and pushes it out of the net. And so in the moment, it really does look like she makes two saves on the same shot to keep the U.S. going. However, goal line technology, which is basically a bunch of cameras put together to show you whether or not the ball crossed the line. They go to goal line technology, and it is by the slimmest of margins. By a human hair. Like, the ball is over the net. So even though it seems like Alyssa Nair had saved the U.S. Women's National Team, she And by the way, she also took a penalty kick as well. Yeah, and she converted. And she converted. The goalie took a penalty kick. How often does that happen? They practice it. She's actually been good with it, and she's done it in the past. Yeah, some goalies, because they have great legs. Sometimes if they're good at it, they yeah. will kick sooner mm-hmm. rather than later, and it was a tough way to go out. Jake, what do you got? What's your dirty, or what's your bad? My bad is from another fight this weekend. Nate Diaz losing to Jake Paul, but most importantly, I know that this is chump change for Drake, but he bet $250,000 on Diaz to beat Jake Paul and lost. So it was a million dollar payout that he lost, plus Diaz, professional boxer, losing to, I know Jake Paul trains, and he, he does this uh, now for a living, but I wouldn't want to lose to a, a young YouTuber like that. Have they split now? Is it, is it 1-1 between the two? Didn't uh, Nate Diaz win the first one? I I could, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I thought that this <laughs> was the second fight between the two. I know Tim Tim uh, Tim Anderson's 0-1. <laughs> So Tim's actually probably got to win his next two you know fights what? for this one. Jake to Paul go might away. have him on the uh, on the agenda yeah. for next guys to fight. Wait, what's your dirty? My dirty. This is a newer story. I, I think we all just oh, we got to play this. Orioles have suspended their announcer Kevin Brown, and like everyone is coming out to say what a great guy he is and how professional and how good he is. But the Orioles have suspended Kevin Brown, one of their announcers, over comments about the Orioles' lack of success at the Rays, which is crazy. Made a comment uh, on July 23rd regarding the team's series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Brown pointed out during the on-air broadcast that the Orioles had won more games at Tampa Bay's Tropicana Field in 2023 than the last three years combined. The comment was backed up in the July 23rd game notes, which are put together by the team's PR staff. The Orioles have won three of their first five games at the Trop this season after winning three of the 21 games played in St. Petersburg for 2020 to 2022, the game note said. When, he when, was just when relaying was he suspend, it. When was he suspended? Uh, I guess it was today. He's been suspended because indefinitely. This was July 23rd, you said. Yeah. Today is August 7th. Yep. He said this in, in late July, and he's getting suspended now. And by the way, he should not have been suspended for anything. Everyone has come for to For using his... game notes? Yeah. We got to play this next. Uh, let, let's get through this quick, and then we'll play you why he got suspended. Um, did you see this is pretty dirty, but like good for Philly. Did you see how many people showed up to their family fest or their practice at oh, the stadium? It was like, wasn't it 100,000? No, not 100,000. 200,000? 300,000? 50,000. They can't get 100,000 in their football stadium. I don't know how big is their stadium. 80? Yeah, like 75. For a practice. Like, you know how the Bears had FanFest? Yeah. They had 50,000 people for a, a practice. It's pretty good. That is pretty good. That's pretty dirty. Dirty bird. Uh, what do you guys have? Everything about the White Sox has been dirty, but come on. Eloy, you had to get injured in the melee? <laughs> really? I mean, it couldn't be. I thought he had a bruised heel going into it. Was Maybe was but that then it? He stepped on, and then he's got hurt again. I mean, stepped on. Come on. It, it's just, it's so on the on the nose, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and my, uh, wrap us up, Jake. Yeah, my dirty comes from the White Sox as well, but more importantly, the tweets. Uh, I know Tim Anderson 
tweeted whatever yesterday more, but I like the deleted tweets that happened the night of the fight, where he deleted like literally 15 or 20 minutes after the fight happened. Oh, we did? He, he deleted a tweet from <laughs> 2012 uh, saying, I'm about to go to sleep with the Z's emoji. So he knew people would come after that. Uh, but I thought that was funny. Deleted tweets after the fight from the Wait, wait. Zone. He deleted tweets that he tweeted out Saturday night? It, no, this no, no. W- no, this was all the way from 2012, something he tweeted out. And he deleted he said, this Saturday I, he night. Was, he tweeted out, I'm about to go to sleep, ZZZ. He didn't want to be retweeted like crazy. Like crazy, because yeah. Because he, he got, got knocked, knocked out. Because he got knocked out. So he had the wherewithal to go back to an old tweet from 2012? Yeah, there's multiple tweets I think he also deleted. Oh, boy. That is so weird. Huh. All right. Uh, the good, the bad, the dirty. We'll play you why this guy got... This is so crazy. This Orioles announcer on why he got suspended. We'll play that coming up. And then uh, Jesse will join us from New York um, with his big report, and he's also covering Cubs and Mets. All that coming up next. All right, we'll talk to Jesse here in about five minutes. He's covering Cubs and Mets. But uh, his story was the big uh, one on the Sox. And Rick Hahn is uh, also still gone through it. And he's he's trying to discredit Keenan Middleton. But it was also confirmed by uh, Lance, Lynn. Lance Lynn. Yeah. So um, we'll get into that here shortly. I want to play you. The, so this is Kevin Brown, the Orioles broadcaster. And I was waiting when you you guys first alerted me of this. I was waiting for, like, a tongue slippage and him, like, to say something weird yeah. and to hear, oh, boy, he got suspended because that happened. Said something really inappropriate was what we were expecting. This was just him reciting stuff from game, game notes. notes. Yeah. And, and this is why he got suspended. Take a listen. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in. But the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three. And they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017. The last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two at the top this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the no. Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. Pretty benign. Did you anybody hear anything? No. He got suspended from the Orioles for that. By the way, he's been off the air, off television radio for a little over the past week, it says here. But the Orioles are saying, a uh, senior Orioles official says Brown will return to the airwaves soon. That's in- It's incredible. It is. It, all he was doing, as you mentioned, was reciting game notes. It was in the Orioles game notes that the team put out. That's a team that doesn't know how to handle success. They're in first place, and he was commending them. Yes. And look how good they're doing now compared to what it's been like for them. And, oh, by the way, it's not like the Rays stink. That's a really good Rays team. 
So, all right, we'll talk to Jesse Rogers. So much to get into. Want to know his reaction, too, to what Rick Hahn had to say today. We'll get you updated, too, on what Rick Hahn had to say. Jesse's also with the Cubs in New York. He has just stayed there this weekend. I'm hoping Jesse, too, can give you the backstory on how all this developed behind the scenes. We'll see what he can tell, what he can share, maybe pull back the curtain a little bit on how this story developed this weekend. Uh, Jesse Rogers, Can't Miss Stuff, coming up next.